The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Russia marks Victory Day today with a scale-back celebration because of the recent drone event at the Kremlin. And Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky has moved to celebrate the end of World War II on a day aligned with the West rather than with Russia. Now, to talk about what is taking place on Red Square, what Putin has had to say, I'm joined by Russia analyst and former resident of Russia, Jason Corcoran. Jason, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Uh, you've been watching the parade, have you? Yes, I was watching the parade. Uh, typically, I would be there, but uh, not this year, unfortunately. Um, yeah, Putin, on a, the tribune above Lenin's mausoleum on Red Square, he made about a 10-minute speech. And uh, nothing really radically new there. He said that Russia, uh, that Russians today, that civilization is again at a decisive turning point because Russia is engaging in a patriotic struggle for the future of its country. Mm. And he would he repeated familiar messages about Western global elite sowing Russia phobia. Other Ukrainian people have become hostages to a state coup and the ambitions of the West. My goodness. I, I know I was reading some of the headlines uh, that he accused the West of creating a cult of Nazism. He also accused the West of trying to undo the result of World War Two. I mean, he is press, pressing the uh, extreme nationalist button, isn't he? Absolutely. And then at the same token, Pat, he's saying that Russia wants peace. And this is just hours after he sent 15 cruise missiles to Ukraine. And uh, unfortunately, I think they were all shot down by uh, by the, uh, Ukraine's military defences. Um, there was, um, and, and, and typically for Victory Day, there's talk of victory, but there was no mention of any specific victory. And Russia, of course, had been hoping to seize all of Bakhmut in eastern Ukraine but then we have um, Yevgeny Prigozhin, uh, Putin's uh, so-called chef, the, the leader of the Wagner army, who's threatening to pull out uh, tomorrow because of a lack of ammunition. And there's increased infighting amongst uh, the generals and Prigozhin and Ramzan Kadyrov, who, who, who leads in Chechnya. Now, normally there's a display of military might on Red Square for this Victory Day uh, parade. What was it like this year compared to previous years? It was much more muted. So uh, just for a comparison, last year, the the, uh, defense ministry under Sergei Shoigu said there was 11,000 types of weapons and hardware and um, no, sorry, sorry, 131 types of uh, weapons and hardware and 11,000 military personnel. This year, there was 10,000 and 125 types of weapons and hardware. But the most striking thing was there was just one lonely T-34 tank that I noticed on Red Square. This is a Soviet-era tank that was first manufactured by Czechoslovakia in 1937. And this year, there was, again, like last year, there was no spectacular flyover which was which is much beloved mm. by Moscovites. Yeah. Now, uh, presumably, the 1937 manufactured tank, um, the originals were anyway. This is uh, to evoke nostalgia for World War Two, perhaps. I think partly to evoke nostalgia, but I think you know, uh, with the the javelin, the Western uh, javelin, uh, uh, taking out a lot of Russian tanks on the front line in Ukraine. I think there is a lack of hardware that they they could could have brought to the Red Square today. Uh, for the Russians. Mm. Now, how many um, leaders from areas of former Soviet influence have turned up for the jamboree today? Yeah, when, when I spoke to your researcher yesterday at lunchtime, there was only one leader who was scheduled to turn up that was the leader of Kyrgyzstan in Central Asia. 
But I think the Kremlin must have employed a three-line whip because out of nowhere, we, we had the, the leader of Belarus, um, Alexander Lukashenko, turn up. And then we had also leaders of um, former Soviet countries who have been critical of Putin's war in Ukraine and for threatening Ukraine, Ukrainian sovereignty have turned up, including Uzbekistan's president, Mirozhoyev, and also Armenia's prime minister, Pashinyan, and also the president of Kazakhstan, uh, Tokyev. Now, the, the reason, of course, for uh, scaling down the celebrations is something to do with that uh, so shocking drone attack on the Kremlin, uh, which, you know, you're wondering, was that really some uh, opponent of Putin in Moscow? Could it have been uh, someone representing Ukrainian interests or was it just a false flag, the usual thing from the Russians uh, to give them an excuse for all sorts of things? Yeah, well, they're kind of using this drone attack as an excuse for the, the muted celebrations. Um, every year for the last 13 years, there has been this um, march called Bismertny Polk, which is sort of uh, this uh, march of the uh, of the people who who have died in, in the Great uh, Patriotic War. And they said this year that it would have been would have been a security risk for uh, them to have the Bismertny Polk. But the real reason could have been that maybe the fear that relatives of fallen soldiers in Ukraine may have brandished uh, photographs of their loved ones. And that would have been embarrassing for the authorities. Yeah. And to carry a, a photograph of your loved one who's been killed in Ukraine is not a, a politically provocative act. It is can be seen as a, a an act of grief. And therefore, you can't exactly round them up and throw them in the paddy wagon. Absolutely. And well, the, the, the Victory Day is all about commemorating the victory, of course, but also the sacrifice of the estimated 17 to 20 million people from the Soviet Union who died uh, defeating the Nazis. Now, the, the movement uh, by um, Vladimir Zelensky to uh, celebrate their Victory Day, they fought the Nazis too, but on the same day as it's celebrated in Western Europe, um, it, it is obviously giving two fingers to the the Russian regime, but it's also a matter of timing. When the capitulation of the Nazis actually happened, it was already one day later in Russia, while still being a day earlier in the West of Europe. Yeah, and and I think Zelensky and you and the Ukrainians would argue that they made as big a sacrifice in, in defeating the Nazis, whereas the the Russians would sort of conflate. And the fight against the Nazis with the, the, this this purge of or, or denazifying of Ukraine, as they claim, um, that this is one of the justifications for this war. But um, yeah, but definitely with Ukraine, that this 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 changing the day marks a new form of political cooperation. Uh, of course, Zelensky is is very keen to join the European bloc and and also become another member of of NATO, the NATO alliance. Now, as a long-time Russia watcher, what do you make of all of this? I mean, is Putin as solidified in power as ever? Uh, no, I, I think um, we were seeing increasing infighting, certainly on the military side of things and the ultra-nationalist wing, because they wanted to see a more decisive victory. And there was another oligarch uh, who came out uh, today and was complaining that that they haven't seen a victory and that the, the, the world is, is effectively laughing at them. He made this address on Telegram. I'm not sure as to his location, if he's still in Russia, perhaps for his security, he's now overseas. 
But there is more grumbling and yeah, and, and certainly in, in unofficial polls, people are not critical of the authorities but they're they're critical of the so-called military operation and its lack of success. Are they still calling it that? Special still military that. operation? That's what Putin, yeah, Pat, that's exactly the special military operation. Do, do not mention the war. That's still, even Putin didn't mm. mention the war during his 10-minute address um, above the Mussolini today. Now, the independent media has been... Um, generally muzzled by uh, Putin. But, you know, the questions that should be thrown at him, why are all your pals, the oligarchs, who spend time in Western Europe, who bought homes in London and so on, why would they want to live in the home of Nazism, if that's how you portray the West? I mean, it's one of those questions which he'll never be asked to answer, but it's just so foolish. Yeah, well, the, the, many, the many oligarchs that I'm aware of and I've interviewed in the past who are, who are based overseas are desperate to have their sanctions removed. Um, for instance, um, Mikhail Friedman, the, the alpha oligarch, has, has hired um, a whole battalion of lawyers to try to have his sanctions removed, as had Roman Abramovich, the former Chelsea boss. They've had some success. Um, Mikhail Friedman's wife has been removed from the sanctions and uh, Mr. Uzmanov, uh, his wife has also been removed from the sanctions. So they're desperate to hang on to their assets, their trophy assets in Saint-Tropez and in London grad, and to be able to move freely again, but they don't want to say it too openly for fear of being anti and un- unpatriotic. Now, when you look at uh, the two countries, uh, Russia and Ukraine, you'd say there can only be uh, one winner, uh, ultimately, if the war was to go on and on and on, that the resources that Russia has are you know, in terms of personnel, they can conscript uh, exhaustible. But mass conscription or even selective conscription leads to popular dissent. Where are we in that process now? Yeah, well, there's a there's a new um, um, technical sort of uh, uh, application that's been made on Gosu Sluggy. Gosu Sluggy is where you basically you apply for your unemployment benefit or for your or for your pension. And so now the, the summons will now be sent by a Gosslugi to people who are trying to dodge the draft. So it's becoming harder to dodge the draft uh, if you are of age. And of course, we saw last year with the general mobilization in September that uh, an estimated one million uh, men of military age fled mainly to the near abroad, to countries like Georgia, Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan to escape the military draft. And this is some of the best brains in Russia, the IT guys. So, uh, you know, fueling the brain drain and, and, and meaning that the Russian now needs to use, use other means to, to conscript uh, people to, to be cannon fodder effectively uh, on the Ukrainian front. Jason, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Jason Corcoran, a Russia analyst and former resident of that country. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.